It was a sunny Saturday afternoon. And two young Anglicans were going around in their neighborhood knocking on doors to invite people to join them the next morning for worship. And yes, it was spring, not this time of year. And they went up to one door and they knocked. And the lady who came was obvious to these young people. As soon as the lady came to the door, it was obvious she was not happy to see them. And she told them in no uncertain terms that she did not want to hear their message. And she slammed the door in their faces. But much to her chagrin, the door bounced back open. And so she stepped back and she slammed it again. With the same result, the door bounced back open. Well, at this point, she was getting really steamed because she believed that these young people were being rude and sticking their foot in her door. So she thought to herself as she stood back, I'm really going to slam it this time. I'm going to teach these uppity young people a lesson. But before she was able to do that, one of the young people said quietly, Ma'am, before you do that again, you really should move your cat. <laughs> Today's gospel reading from John 17 anticipates encounters like this. Encounters where God's people are sent to a less than receptive audience. Anticipates encounters where God's people are sent to proclaim the glorious, the mighty deeds of God and have doors slammed shut in their faces. Anticipates where God's people discover tabby cats trapped in front doors. Well, that part it doesn't anticipate so much. But let me ask you this. Did Jesus always have an easy time of proclaiming the mighty acts of God? Did the apostles always have an easy time of proclaiming the mighty acts of God? No. So do the spiritual logic carry the spiritual denominator? Will you and I always have an easy time of proclaiming the mighty acts of God? No. 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 This is again to Jesus' prayer. Because that's what John 17 is. It is a prayer of Jesus. Specifically, John 17, 18. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Who are the thems that Jesus is referring to? The disciples, bingo! The apostles, the first followers of Jesus. So, therefore, the proclaiming the mighty acts of God, well, that's for apostle types, right? For soon-to-be-ordained deacons like Elaine and Lorraine. It's going to be all up to them, yes? Well, 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 let's see what the Apostle Peter said in today's lesson from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now, this was originally a letter. And it went out to all sorts of churches. And Peter was writing to Christians in general, not just to a few specific leaders. 
Here's what the Apostle Peter says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you... Turn to the person next to you and say you. Don't be shy. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you. Again, point to them. You. Out of darkness into the marvelous light. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you. A man went into an office for a job interview. He sat down in front of the desk. The potential employer was on the other side of the desk. And the potential boss guy said, Well, what we need in this position is someone who is responsible. And the applicant was very excited by this. Oh, sir, sir, I'm so glad to hear you say that. See, in my last job, whenever anything went wrong, they said I was responsible. <laughs> if you identify as a Christian, you are responsible for proclaiming the mighty acts of God. Did you catch that? Did, did you catch that? Just in case you didn't, I'll rewind. If you are a Christian, whatever the denomination, you are responsible for proclaiming the mighty acts of God, the mighty loving acts of God. Now, if you think that's a little daunting and a bit of an awesome responsibility, say, Amen. Amen. It sure is. It sure is. Now, I can see some of you thinking, some of you are thinking about what you're going to eat at the reception, but <laughs> some of you are thinking, now, wait a second. If every Christian is supposed to proclaim the mighty acts of God, then what's the deal with deacons? What's the deal with priests? Even what's the deal with, well, he's a lot taller than me, and he's got a big stick, so never mind. But really, what is the deal with the ordained? Ordination is not primarily a qualification for a job. Ordination is not primarily a qualification for a job. We have thought about that, many of us, we've thought about it that way at our peril for too many years. Ordination is primarily an RSVP to God's solemn invitation to an individual Christian, in this case to lay in the rain, to live a particular form of the Christian life, to serve in an unusually public way. Ordination, like Christianity, is a way of life. It's not just a Sunday morning sport or a Sunday morning gig. And team ministry, which the bishop referenced at the beginning of today's service, team ministry, which we're trying to implement all across the diocese of Brandon, is a powerful reminder to us that ordination is first and foremost a lifelong calling. They're about to make vows that will be binding on them for the rest of their lives. Marriage is for life, ordination is for life. Now, a rector of a congregation 
position might retire from being on staff of particular churches. Sure. But their vows are binding on them for the rest of their lives. Every season of their life, whatever situation they're in, the vows are there to be lived out. Deacon Elaine and Deacon Lorraine will be serving without stipend. Which again is a powerful reminder that first and foremost, ordination is a way of service and a way of commitment and a way of the gospel. Not primarily a job, a profession, and certainly not something someone should do just or only or primarily to make a living. Here's what one theologian had to say about ordination. Quote, Ordination, like baptism, starts with whose we are, and then who we become, and only finally what we do. End of quote. Okay, great, you say, great, okay, fine. But the question's still there. If every Christian is a part of the Christian lifestyle, if every disciple of Jesus is supposed to proclaim the mighty acts of God, then again, what is the deal with the ordained? The ordained are to be equippers, encouragers, and sometimes royal pains in the neck to the laity. You ever known any clergy person that's a royal pain in the neck? Anybody? Okay. Alright, but it's supposed to be royal pain in the neck as it relates to the church's mission, proclaiming the mighty acts of God. We're supposed to be on your case about that. Now, if we're a royal pain in the neck for other reasons, well, we need to, you know, change that. But the ordained are to be encouragers and equippers of the laity for the mission of the church. Think about this way. Think of the ordained deacon or the ordained priest as being both a coach and a player on the local Kingdom of God team. That's your congregation. By the way, Christianity is a team sport. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to be on a team. You've got to have fun in the congregation. But frankly, Deacon the Rain, Deacon Lane, and all of us who are ordained here this afternoon have a decision to make. We have a decision. We can choose to be coaches and players for the church's mission, which Bishop William often summarizes helpfully as proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and equipping the saints. We can decide to be about the church's mission, or we can decide to settle for managing increasingly smaller and increasingly less vibrant congregations. Small can be vibrant, by the way. We can choose the church's historic mission, or we can settle for overseeing with love and compassion the dwindling decline and closure of our congregations. That's probably the easier way to go. But maybe, 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 sometimes, sometimes that's the faithful thing for the deacon or priest to do. Certainly you won't get many doors slammed shut in your face for doing that. So what we decide, clergy, myself included, we choose the church's mission, or will we settle? But frankly, every lay person this afternoon has a decision to make. You can decide.
decide to buy into the buzz. The buzz that's all around our churches. Well, things aren't like they used to be. I'm too old. I don't have enough time. There's really no bright future for Christianity in Canada. So I guess all I can really do is go to church sometimes and volunteer a little, get a little, keep the building going. Now, many of you, through great sacrifice and commitment, have done exactly that. And you are to be commended for your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But is that the only way? When is the last time you proclaimed the mighty acts of God? Or invited a neighbor with a tabby cat to join you for worship? So ladies, what will you decide? Will you choose the buzz? Or will you choose another way? Frankly, every Christian, younger, older, ordained, not ordained, is reeling from the changes the church has experienced in the last decades. There is no easy three-step plan that we can implement that will bring people tapping back into the churches if that was ever even the case. But for those of us who choose the church's mission, and for those of us who choose another way, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn a lot of things. We're going to have to learn from those Christians, Anglican and not, rural and not, who are bucking the declining trend. And actually, there are a whole lot of them that we can learn from. We'll have to learn new skills, new ways of being the church, new ways of doing ministry. We will have to experiment a lot, and a lot of times the experiments will fail. And with God's help, we'll have to try again. And we'll fail, and we'll try again. But first, we have to decide we want to give that a go. Maybe we don't. Would you like a major hint? Related to a vibrant future for Christianity in Canada and in your community. Would you like a major hint about that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> but here it is. Drum roll, please. Good. Neither Jesus nor the churches which are bucking the trend, the churches that are vibrant, the churches that are seeing some growth, neither Jesus nor those churches. Sit around waiting for the unchurched and dechurched to come to them. Instead, they. Today is a day of immense hope. Immense hope. Because in the 2,000 year history of the church, there have been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. But in every age, God has been faithful through Christ, through the Spirit, inviting faithful women and men, like Deacon Elaine and Deacon the Rain to the service of the kingdom of God. The good news is that in every century the church has been in, and the church has had a lot worse centuries than ours, I'll tell you that, but in every century the church has been around, not every single door was slammed shut in the face of those who have been sent. In fact, there are many who will respond with joy if you knock. And I highlight the word if. And not every tabby cat will be injured in the process of evangelization. Some will come meowing to our blessing of the animal services. And newsflash, the goal is not to preserve the church, to preserve the institution of the church. That is not our goal. Just to preserve 
much as we've loved it and how it's been. That's not the goal. The goal is faithfulness to the gospel. And if we are faithful to the gospel, the church will thrive. The church will be vibrant. The church will continue. Though it may look radically different, radically different than what we have been accustomed to. So the good news is the gospel thrives. The good news is that people have responded to the call of the gospel. And the mission for us is to be faithful. If you are willing to live to the responsibility you received at your baptism, if you are saying, I want to choose the church's mission and be coaches and players of that mission clergy and choose another way, laity, if you're willing to join in that mission of proclaiming the mighty acts of God, the deep in the lane, the deep in the rain, then say, Amen. Amen. So be it. God has sent each one of you. Together, let's live accordingly. Amen.